Good morning and welcome to the July episode of the CEO podcast. This morning, Washington Hospitality Association President and CEO Anthony Antone will do a quick dive into public safety with Eva Glossom, an industrial hygienist with the Washington State Department of Labor and Industries, and Sergeant Chris Marino with the Snohomish County Sheriff's Department. This morning, we are sponsored by My Hospitality Insurance. Visit myhospitalityinsurance.com for more information. And with that, good morning, Anthony. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, you know, normally I have some kind of uh, song or something I play and, you know, we do a little trivia game if you can name the artist or the year and kind of like when you go to a mayor's game and you see that. But with today's topic being so serious and workplace safety and some of the violence we've seen, the songs I found, I'm like, this just doesn't feel appropriate. Uh, so I'm going to skip our trivia today. Uh, we are really blessed today to have uh, two safety experts with us, uh, Eva Glossen from DOSH, and she uh, specializes in some of the workplace safety issues we're going to be talking about today. And Chris Marino, a sergeant with Snohomish County Sheriff's Office, that when I reached out to some of the state organizations and said, who who could really help us start to think about these issues? Uh, Chris, they, your name popped right out of the machine. So look at that. So welcome Thank uh, today. Thank you to both of you for being here. Today's conversation, I'm considering it a starting point. So if you're turning in saying, I'm going to listen today to get the answer, I think today is going to be more of a starting point and learning a couple of key things and help the industry start looking for answers or best practices or improvements. I grew up in the industry, but I really am more of an ops person. I, I really understand food dollar and RevPAR and employment and policies that impact us and, and legal around can you employ teens? What are liquor laws? The idea that we have to figure out and start talking about uh, what is workplace safety and how do we protect employees from having a gun put in their face in a drive-through or having someone come in and wield a knife at the front desk or dealing drugs out of a hotel room and when you confront or when there's an issue, there's death threats on employees. These are issues that we honestly, when I get into hospitality, these are not the reasons we got into it. And so I think uh, our conversation is going to show my novice on these issues. So please excuse me, but it's a conversation we need to start exploring. First, I want to go through some industry news. All of us know us well, but for Eva and Chris's sake, on the association's best day, we do four things for the industry. Uh, we want to be the primary source of information. Uh, we want to help improve the business climate and make this a great place to run a hospitality business. We want to help our workforce succeed. And we're going to try to create programs and do other things to help our members get an ROI and stay in business a little bit longer. So quick update on news. Since today's sponsor is My Hospitality Insurance, I think a lot of our members know us as the Workers' Comp Association <laughs> for all the great retro checks that they've been getting back and, and uh, rebate checks from working with our retro program. But our My Hospitality Insurance program has really taken off. For the second month in a row, a second quarter in a row, a set record enrollments, um, which is great about the growth. But the more exciting thing is their average savings to those enrolling has been 24% or roughly $5,400. So that puts it on the kind of savings up there with Retro and, and our workers' comp program and other things we've done. So we really want to have four to five great programs that you know more than pay for your dues and help you run a great operation. And just our now, I think, third year into business insurance, I think it takes six years to fully build a program. It's really rocking it. So kudos to the team. If you want to know more about My Hospitality Insurance, you can find it on our website or email us podcast at wahospitality.org. So if you're listening to your car, get home, <laughs> stop driving, and then email us. Don't drive, email us in the car. Uh, any questions you might have of what you hear today. A couple of other quick things on the news. Our government affairs team on the state side just finished their screening and interview process of right around a couple hundred 
candidates for public office and have selected the 55 people we're going to endorse this year. They've been on the road being road warriors and getting out in all your communities and meeting folks. And our government affairs team met committee met last week. So pretty soon you'll be hearing of who they are and who the candidates we're recommending for office are. So keep an eye out for that. On local issues, a lot going on. I'll just cover one. The city of Tukwila uh, has qualified a minimum wage initiative for the ballot that will take it roughly just to right around $18 an hour, depending on what the uh, CPI marker is for the upcoming year. And uh, the city council may just adopt that initiative or it may go to the ballot. On helping our workforce succeed, well, honestly, that's one of the reasons we're starting today's conversation. And as I read the clips of our industry and what's included, you know, you hear about the person being shot in Portland or the hostess being stabbed in Covington or in the Tacoma area, uh, the person who'd been driving around and putting a gun in the face of people in the uh, in the drive through window or in the hotel lobbies, people just exploding with violence when they find out they have to wear a mask or other things and, and going on. And we want to protect our workers. The association has typically not had a role in what do we do with crime and other issues. And the board has said, we need to rethink this. What is our role here? Eva, thank you. I'm going to start with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're just learning about this stuff. I'm not just learning, but we're just getting serious about maybe we need some best practices and need to rethink what we're doing. Give us a little bit of your background. And if you were opening up a coffee shop today of your own, what would you do to protect your workers in a time where crime and these violent issues seem to be escalating? Thank you very much for inviting me on to offer a little bit of my insight and background. So I am an industrial hygiene compliance officer with the Department of Occupational Safety and Health. So with the Washington State Department of Labor and Industries. So I basically go into work sites and help make sure that the codes that are there to keep people safe and healthy are being practiced in, in work sites. So as far as workplace violence goes, a lot of times if there has been an incident of workplace violence and someone gets hurt or someone's experiencing threats and someone files a complaint, I will come in and see what's going on. So uh, if I was going to be going in and opening something like a coffee shop, right, uh, what I would be doing is looking at it as a, as a as an exposure in the workplace, right? So looking at the industries that you are working with, with the hospitality association, things like restaurants and entertainment facilities and lodgings, you already know that you have certain workplace exposures with things like, say, cleaning chemicals that you work with, or, you know, you might be working with maybe heavy lifting loads if you're going to be doing like lifting packages or um, like especially heavy, heavy boxes, sort of things like that, right? So rethinking of uh, violence as an exposure and what are you going to do to protect your workers from that exposure from a proactive standpoint as opposed to a reactive standpoint, just like you would picking the right chemical you know, do you want to pick the most corrosive chemical to get the graffiti off of the table? Or can you find a, you know, gentler chemical that maybe you can use with like a magic eraser, right? Here in Washington State, we classify workplace violence and, and so does federal OSHA and NIOSH, that sort of thing, um, with four different types of workplace violence. 
And the type of violence that, that we're kind of talking about today, especially with, with Chris here and him, him talking with his expertise that he had brought in, is type one violence, which is violence where the, the perpetrator of the crime does not have any sort of legitimate business relationship with the workplace and they have criminal intent with the workplace. So that's going to be someone who is going to be like robbing the workplace. Um, and unfortunately, that is the uh, number one reason why people die uh, in, in Washington state and especially across the United States. And it's actually the number one killer of women in Washington state and across the United States is, is occupational homicide uh, more than car accidents, more than chemical exposures, more than more than anything else. So it's something we definitely take very, very seriously. The number one occupational course of death is, is workplace violence around criminal yeah. intent. So for, for in the workplace, so how people die at work. Um, oh, okay. Work, yeah, yeah. So how people die at work. Um, yeah, it's on the job. So if someone dies at work from a workplace exposure, it is it is homicide for women. It's it's considered an occupational homicide. Yeah, that would be for women. Yes, that's that's correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and um and that's been the case for for twenty years. So it's it's something that we take we take very 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 seriously. Um and so something that we would hope that workplaces also take very seriously. So things that you can do to look at your workplace uh, to try to prevent some of those things. Uh, Washington State has a code for, for retail establishments. So there are exemptions that don't necessarily apply for, for hospitality, but there are best practices that hospitality can take into consideration. Um, it's called the Late Night Retail Worker Crime Prevention. And I'm definitely going to share this information with y'all uh, after after the fact as well. Um, and it has things like, you know, what kind of lighting do you have in your workplace to make sure that it's not too dark? You know, you also want to make sure that it's not uh, too bright. So you've got conflicting shadows in place as well. Uh, what money handling do you have in place? Like for retail establishments, it's really important. And that's why, like, when you go into a gas station, they have the signs on the doors that says, you know, we don't keep more than $100 on site and we have a drop safe, that sort of thing. But, you know, are there certain uh, working establishments that um, you might want to have those same cash handling practices in place? You know, just some things to maybe think about. Uh, what kind of crime prevention training strategies do you have for your workers? You know, instead of just assuming everybody knows what's to happen, when someone comes through that drive-thru and puts a gun in someone's face or someone walks in off of the street with a, a knife, are you sure that you know what everybody does, especially if you have a lot of seasonal workers? How do you know that they know what to do? What are your expectations for them to do? Um, there, there's a lot of good training modules that are out there that you can, you can pull from, that having those conversations with your workers to to understand um, understand what those expectations are. Let's 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 start with those three things. When I heard you say is you should review the late night crime prevention practices, even though a lot of them don't apply to hospitality, there's a lot of good practices in there. Well, I'm talking to Chris if you have the link to that and you can throw in the chat, great. If not, maybe send it to Lisa later and we can put it on our post podcast update. Then also 
So you mentioned some lighting and making sure people know what to do when people walk in the door and that a crime is taking place, that your your people are trained and well-informed. I think those are, are good starting points. Eva, I'm going to come back to you and ask more questions. But Chris, uh, I, want to, I want to kick it over to you. Thanks again for being here. Yeah. Um, so I've been in law enforcement for 15 and a half years now. Right now, I'm currently assigned to the contract city of Snohomish. So um, it's one of our larger contracts, but to where, you know, we police the city. So it's kind of give us a little bit more of an intimate policing to, you know, community relations that not all agencies get to have. So um, in Snohomish, um, I was assigned uh, last year to Graveyard, um, which we have a very predominant first street district with bars and restaurants and stuff like that. And Friday and Saturday nights tend to be heavily busy with patrons coming from all over to, you know, enjoy the bar life, the restaurant life. So we made it a goal of, you know, being out there um, during certain hours, like the 10 to 2, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. hours where it got a little busier to, you know, create those relationships with businesses and show our presence just so that everybody knew that we were there um, and to help people enjoy their time and, and keep safe. So if I were to open, you know, establishment, there's obviously some things to think about. There's the defensive actions and then the responsive actions that businesses can take, right? So on the defensive actions, if I were to open a place, I would make sure that you know, you have cameras that are recording to like a DVR or something or to a cloud or something of that essence. Um, it's a good deterrent to have. So people know that, hey, if I'm going in there, whatever I do, it will be recorded. I don't know all the rules on everything OSHA for placement of things, but like some things to think about is for like restaurants, where you place your hostess, what objects do you have in front of them? Is there a large table or countertop, something to kind of give them um, that second line of defense or a barrier if you will, in case there is an attack, um, something that will hopefully slow the perpetrator down and give your, you know, your employee some reaction time because we're always reacting to somebody else, right? So we're behind the curve. So that'll allow them to hopefully kind of get away or have some sort of defense. Um, I know in, in one of the questions that popped up, I saw that um, there's a lot of concern with the mental illness and the behavioral health crisis is what, you know, um, it's classified as. And, you know, in every industry we're learning, we're, we as police officers, it's, you know, we are now acting as more social workers than we've ever done in the past. And that's more training that we've never had that now we're embracing and starting to learn. So it's a big learning experience for all of us. Um, what I would say to that is, so, you know, in Washington, you have the right to refuse service to anybody if you're a business. So if you have individuals that are drug users or, or causing disturbances in your restaurants and it's safe to do so, you have every right to ask them to leave. Would I have an employee do that by themselves? No. You know, make sure that you have the buddy system. Make sure that you at least outnumber the ratio so that maybe they'll think twice about acting, right? Because it's a two to one versus one to one. If it's anything to where it's, you know, they're more hostile or violent, call 911. That is what our job is to come and, and do that. We would have to have some legal recourse for you guys. So you guys would then we would ask you certain questions like this responding. Do you want that person trespassed? You know, that we have to have some kind of legal um, reason to remove someone. You guys as the restaurants have every right to deny service and ask someone to leave, but we have to have a lawful right to force someone to leave from your establishment, whether they're causing a disturbance, you want them trespassed, something to that effect. Then we can come in and kind of step in and do, do that legal version. So, you know, I could go a lot of different places with this just because it's such a, unfortunately it's a wide stream and it's a new phenomenon of how much violence is occurring in the hospitality industry. 
like for hotels or larger businesses, security is a good deterrent, obviously, to have paid for security service, some kind of person that's, you know, visible, and it's a visible deterrent to hopefully stop any potential attacks. I know a lot of places have started to invest in security, especially if you're open late, they'll hire security guards to come stand at their establishments at the night or bouncers or whatever, you know, you facilitate but some sort of protection that one, it gives their employees a peace of mind, two, it's a, it's a deterrent to anybody coming in. And then three, it's also a recourse for someone that can hopefully take actions between your employees and then law enforcement need to come in. COVID kind of set some new boundaries that I think are good for, especially like you talked about in the drive-throughs where people are going through and harming employees through the windows. You know, COVID kind of made, they put like plexiglass that had smaller squares where just the food kind of came out. That was a good deterrent for people throwing stuff and assaulting employees in drive-thru windows. It kind of blurred vision a little bit, if you will, for someone in the car and someone in, that they can maybe see out and have a better reaction time. Um, that person in the drive-thru can't see in as well to that employee. Just stuff like that is kind of, I think the thought process people need to start going down is just different levels to protect yourself and, and hopefully kind of do more of a deterrence than a, a late response to these things. Uh, I think I think those are both really good starts. Um, Eva, Chris got into a little bit on the on the mental illness side, and I'm guessing type one was more criminal intent. What what were the other three areas quickly of the of your categories for where there's there's violence uh, that an operator should be thinking about and and protecting their team on? And from an operator standpoint, who just really wants to create a great guest experience for travelers or create a great meal or a time to relax when that person's in their lobby and going, I don't know, whether it's because of a drug related issue, what kind of violence is that? So the I, I so that would still be type one violence, though, because that person is most likely not going to have a legitimate business relationship with the workplace, especially okay. when you're talking about a hospitality industry. So type two violence, like you know, if the person say had mental illness and they were in a behavioral health facility, right? Then they would be a customer or client. So they would be in the care of the person or say like Chris as an officer is taking the person in with custody. And so then if Chris were to be harmed by the person, then that would be violence upon him. And so that would be type two violence, right? If then a customer is angry, say someone is checking into a hotel or say you've got someone who is a drunk patron at the bar and they're upset because they think that they were overcharged or something like that. And then they lash out at someone at the restaurant. That's going to be type two violence or you've got, you know, the, the angry person who doesn't want to comply with whatever mask regulation is out or something like that. That's going to be type two violence. So that's someone who is a customer or client who is acting out in violence against um, someone who has a legitimate business relationship. Type three violence is peer to peer. So that's when you have employees who are going to be fighting and having violence within uh, in the business with each other. So coworkers who are fighting with each other, or you're going to have something where there's like a superior and an employee who are fighting with each other. So say maybe like there's um, like an employee who is being disciplined or something like that. And you've gotten an employment dispute um, and there's, there's violence, say someone's like retaliating against each other and it's escalating in a really negative way. 
and there's like threats of gun violence or something like that, that's type three violence. And then type four violence is intimate partner violence. And that is where um, it's going to be a known relation or an intimate partner, which is where it can be a current partner or an ex-partner. And this is another type of violence. It's a, a, especially with women who are, like I said, because that's just the type of violence that, um, because workplace violence is the leading cause of occupational death that we see with women, and type four violence is the second leading cause of death that we see. And a lot of times there's something where, you know, there's a split that's happening at work and a partner comes to the workplace because they know that's where they can find the partner and, and they will um, be violent against that partner in the workplace. So those are the four types of violence that we see. So, um, Chris, I'm going to ask you a question because honestly, I'm a total stats guy and I know the headlines can mislead the reality. Right. Or the once one bad experience can scar you so deeply that you have a hard time perceiving where the true growth in crime is and other kind of stuff. Not the robbery, but the other kind of type one violence that Eva was talking about in my head, I would categorize it as three things from from what I'm hearing from operators, honestly, almost becoming weekly to almost daily now in, in communities, mental slash drug issues. You're not sure which, but there's someone in your lobby that's causing a disturbance and you don't want to agitate them to the point where you don't know if they're carrying a weapon or other things, but they're putting other people and things at harm. There's customer reaction, which I, I'm not sure, but you 86 someone out of your place or they're mad because they felt like that disrespected or something. They go out and they get a weapon and bring it back and they come in hot and angry. Are those things actually becoming more and more common? Because it feels like there's different strategies for that than than crime prevention for robbery. Or is robbery really still like the 85, 90 percent thing you're dealing with? The others are just getting more headlines. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't have all statistics on hand, but just from firsthand knowledge. Yeah. You know, when you when you're 86 and someone that is a a risk, right? You're going you're to have a response for them. You're not sure how they're going to react. A lot of our disturbances are started that way, right? When you tell someone to leave your establishment and they choose to not do so or start to cause a scene, 911 generally gets called because, you know, now they want these people out of their, their business and, and they're kind of becoming, they're escalating the situation, right? Unfortunately, I don't know how you could predict that. It's how each individual will respond. You know, obviously, you can try in your best way to politely tell them or ask them nicely without trying to escalate the situation. But again, that's not going to dictate how they are going to respond. In each of those situations, unfortunately, we're going to be in that reactive state, right? We're going to be behind the curve because you now have a volatile situation and you're having to call 911, then you're waiting, waiting on the response of 911 for us to get there. And sometimes that's not fast. <clears throat> I can see a lot in the comments that some of the concerns of response times and stuff like that. And Unfortunately, you know, everybody's hurting in society with workforce, right? We're all in the hospitality industry. Everybody's, you know, has a lack of employees. We're nationwide law enforcement. You know, we're struggling to get people on the job. And that's, that's going to be longer response times because there's less people on the road. And I get that frustration. I know where areas, certain places that have a lot more issues, like major corporations hire uh, police officers off duty. Like you can, you can hire off-duty police officers come in and basically you're paying them to be security for your business. It's a security that then has a lawful right to take action, right? You're not, you're not having to wait for some, um, a security guard to then call 911 for the police to come. You have a police officer there that can take some 
lawful action right away. It's a big deterrent. I know there are multiple large corporations, I don't want to say their names because, uh, but that, that do hire us to be off duty for them. And it's a daily thing. And then they stagger times that you can show up for, you know, hey, we want you in an eight hour window or their neighborhoods that pay for a home associations that pay deputies, you know, for a certain hour window to come and just control the, the neighborhoods. I get that it's an added cost, but it's also, I guess it's just weighing, you know, the options, right? It provides that extra sense of security for your employees. Um, you have a police officer offhand, and it's also a pretty big deterrent because you don't know how those people are going to react. And I'm not saying every restaurant and something like that can afford to pay a police officer to be there. Um, this is obviously kind of applied to some of the larger hotels or or any other corporations that can afford that expenditure. You know, unfortunately, I think that's why we're calling it more of a behavior health crisis now because we're not necessarily sure if it is a mental illness or it's a drug-induced mental illness or if it's something down those sorts, right? The individual is going through some sort of crisis. We're all learning on how, how to properly deal with that, I think, and, yeah. and how to assist everybody in the situation. Again, this is the start of a conversation we're going to do for a while. I, I knew today wouldn't be, all right, here's the golden answer. Do, do, do these three things and we're okay. And I, I don't even make, mean to make fun of it, but I, we have to start the conversation somewhere. And we, I wanted to start it today. And when I, what I'm hearing is the association probably needs to put together a toolkit with a lot of these elements that you've mentioned today and work with your organizations to make sure it's the right toolkit and start getting that out to folks. So we can figure that out on our end. I, I do have a question on on security. Chris, you mentioned it. And Eva, if you have any thoughts. When I was growing up, I grew up in a family business and we there was a Puyallup Mobile Police. It was a, it was a security of, of the local police officers. And it was just part of our existence. And somewhere along the line, society got safer. I think there are other challenges to that services. And for the most part, for restaurants and our tight margins, it kind of went away. You're getting more and more demand of, you're getting more and more requests of, of services like this. And are those positive things in your mind or are they challenging? Chris, I'm hearing you say it's a good option, maybe, if you can afford it. Yeah, I mean, it's a good, again, it's it's just an option. I know that's not going to solve everybody's problems, but um, I think it. I've done a, a few of them. Um, th there is an increase that we get for them. I think it also helps us build, you know, that better relationship with the businesses and, and us because a lot of them, you know, we're in the stores hanging out with their employees and talking to them and, and kind of building that relationship. I think that's why they build a lot of civilian review boards and all these boards, right? Well, sometimes maybe a board for the hospitality is to see if your local law enforcement can sit on it and kind of bounce the ideas with them, right? Go to ho hopefully the person that, you know, deals with it and to bounce things off them and start that conversation, which is what you're doing now, right? And, and just hopefully we can come up with a plan at some point or have better training or, you know, some type of plan implemented that will provide more safety. But unfortunately, it is it is more prevalent now of hiring police officers off duty or having security, you know, for that form of protection or deterrent. Yeah. And then the only thing I was going to say is there's a lot of data out there that supports that one of the big things for criminal deterrence is is not getting caught. Right. And besides having trained security or police on patrol is that community care idea, right? And so getting to know your neighbors, having eyes out and looking out for each other. So I know that can be a lot 
difficult if you're just one building out on your own, right? But if you're lucky enough to have neighbors, you know, go out and talk to each other, keep your eye out for each other, be the neighbors looking through your, your windows at each other, keeping your windows open and unobstructed so you can see each other and call each other to be like, hey, there's someone kind of like hanging out looking kind of sketch. Are you aware of that person? Do I need to call someone? Should, you know, looking out for each other really goes a long way as well. You know, we can't, we can't be an island. It takes, it takes a community to look out for each other. Well, and text groups, another thing, make it so much easier today than it was, or, you know, not long ago, you had to make 10 phone calls. Now you can say one text and say, Totally. Yeah. Joining those those Facebook groups, you know, being a part of those social media organizations as well to look out for each other, that can also go a long way with time difference. To survive in today's world, a lot of places will have more than one hotel or more than one restaurant because the margins are just way tighter where they were in the 70s or 80s um, for a variety of reasons that we'll stay out of because that's another show, which means we probably have to do more training of the GM, right? And so GMs may not be the owner or even the shift managers. Have you seen any really good trainings or are those things you work with industries on to develop trainings? Yeah, I mean, I guess from like a safety and health standpoint, um, so we do have basic codes that have been on the books for, for, for quite some, some time, right? Um, so from an occupational safety and health standpoint, that's my jurisdiction. And that just kind of goes from a, from a, uh, a worker's standpoint, you know, we have things like blood worm packaging. So, you know, if there would be things like syringes and, and, and blood sort of things that we would have the expectations that, that those would be cleaned up. Um, it looks like something just popped up in the chat about, uh, folks can't be acceptable that young healthy people are afraid to walk down the street. Um, so that's that's unfortunately that's not my jurisdiction from from a worker's standpoint. But you know, kind of kind of along that those lines, right? If if you're doing things to keep your your workers safe, you're going to be keeping your guests safe, and that's going to be keeping the community around it safe, right? You know, it's warm because you feel the bubble. Does that does that kind of make sense? It, I think it does, and I think that's where. It's just so weird for us to have to be suspicious of our guests because hospitality is literally <laughs> in our name. Yeah. Right? We want to be the place that welcomes in people to have a day off and have a break and relax and get away from it. Whether you're on a vacation um, or whether you're had a crap day in, in a business trip or whether it's food and beverage. And so the fact that how to be suspicious and protective of is, is an odd dynamic for our industry that I think we're all just starting to think through. Chris, Broadly speaking, do you see your peers across the state, if you can answer that, or even maybe just easier Snohomish County, when businesses want to build a relationship? Because so much so much of our life is communication, right? And understanding what's going on. Is it just cold calling their local officer and say, look, beyond I want to report a crime, I, I've got some tough issues going on in here. And can you come talk to us? Or, or is there time for that? Or what's the best practice where someone says, I want to go beyond reacting of reporting a crime and I want to start being proactive, where do they start? Yeah, so, you know, there are a lot of agencies that have um, groups of officers that deal with certain aspects, right? So I would think, you know, I don't call 911 for it, obviously, because that's, you know, takes up time, but reach out to, to the, the precinct or police department that you're at, call their business line, ask to speak to someone that can help facilitate that. We have, you know, there are sergeants or there are, community officers that can come and hopefully, you know, we have um, 
designated deputies and other agencies do that. They go out to neighborhoods and promote, you know, uh, neighborhood watch and all those type of things. Those are those are the type of people that can come and hopefully help facilitate a meeting with, you know, your local business. I know in Snohomish, we were able to do that fairly easy because it was a little bit smaller knit of a community, right? All of us were in this city working and we, we had the time to go down there and I made it a personal effort to go down there and introduce myself to the businesses and, and build that relationship. And in turn, you know, it reduced a lot of the issues we had both with, you know, crimes and, and disturbances, just presence and then building those, you know, the employees felt comfortable. I think they felt more entitled and felt safe and building those relationships does help. And I think just contacting your department and seeing if the receptionist can set you up with that person that could do that best, because it might not be the, you know, the deputy police officer that's just on the street answering the 911 call. You know, it's going to, it could be someone have to be a little bit higher up that can facilitate a meeting or, or do this. And I know we, we've done it in the past. We've gone and, and spoke with different community groups um, and it helps. It, it does. And then it could start that conversation, you know, of, uh, what can we do to keep our employees safe or take better practices to keep our businesses? Bring it, bring it home from your perspective. If, if we're starting this conversation and, and we're starting to move away from just being frustrated and angry about it to say, okay, what do we tactically do strategically do in our businesses? What did you either hope someone took away from this podcast today and, or, uh, would you recommend if you had to take away one or two things, here's what you hope that they would remember. I guess it would be that there are resources out there. Um, I'm also going to drop a link in the chat for y'all that uh, Labor and Industries does have a consultation group that can help individual employers go through and look at their individual business and try to work with them to see how they can help build a plan, like how they can write their program looking at workplace violence as an exposure. Um, and, and just to realize that they're not in it alone and that this is something that we're looking at and that we, we understand your frustration as well. Chris, final thoughts for, for you. If you're advising a friend who had a small hotel in your community or a neighborhood bar or franchise, and what, what would you hope that they're one of the one or two, thing, two things they took away from today? Well, I, hope, I just hope that they know that they're we can, this is a new topic that unfortunately everybody's having to kind of tackle, right? So my hopes are they take away that there are resources that we can look at this proactively and hopefully set up plans and safety plans and, and think about how we, I guess, position things in our, our establishments or, or what kind of security or lighting or whatever we have to kind of do that preventative action that'll hopefully just be more of a deterrent, you know, because that's what we're trying to do is just kind of detour those people that we don't want to come and do the business for ill reasons, right? Um, so if we could, if we can put some form of a barrier that would do that, I think it would kind of start that, that trend that, well, don't come here. Technically. I, I want to say thank you. You two of you took your time today to start a conversation that there's not a lot of easy answers for. I think like a lot of things, you have to start somewhere. And hopefully this is the starting point for people to start being strategic and thinking through how do I move forward for a societal problem that's going to be with us for a while? Uh, so I want to say thank you uh, very much for, for taking the time today. 
and hopefully we can move forward. I think, you know, one of the weirder things about this is we have jobs for everyone, right? From our industry's perspective, there's 20,000 jobs available right now. Today, we can't fill. Um, I talked to some of my friends in the construction industry. They have about 18,000 jobs they can't fill. Chris, you're even talking about in law enforcement, you know, the, the shortage. And so what's weird about this, normally when you see crime rise in the way that it's rising, it's economic related. And yet, there are way more jobs than there are people right now. So this is something different. I think that we're all going to have to come together, breathe. How do we help people and our employees moving forward? Uh, the association will uh, continue to work hard to put together resources. I think you've laid out a nice outline of what a toolkit might be for operators today. So Lisa, maybe you and I can help put that together and maybe have that in the future if, if time allows. So thanks again, Lisa, you want to bring it home for us? Yeah, thanks again to My Hospitality Insurance. That's myhospitalityinsurance.com if you have any questions about it. Thanks again, and we will see you next month. Everyone have a great and safe summer. It's an honor to serve you.